You're listening to 100 Words or Less with Ray Harkins. You are joining me again for another conversation with a person who is uh, influential, uh, doing cool things in and outside of the world of independent music. And the guest this week is, he fits that criteria to a T. It's crazy how I do that, right? Like, I set up the premise of a show, and then I'm able to deliver a guest. Unbelievable, right? <laughs> Anyways, that was sarcasm in case you you didn't pick up on that. <clears throat> but the guest this week is Paul Kohler. He is the drummer for the band called Silverstein, who I've known these guys for years and years. And actually, this is the third member of Silverstein who has appeared on this very show. And... um this is the first time that's happened. So uh, I'm diving deep into this band. I think this may be the first band that I'll collect all of the members, which uh, I joked around with some of the guys in Law Dispute that I would eventually do that as well. But <clears throat> we'll get around to it, I promise. So let's let's run through some updates, some some chit-chat, and then we'll get into the conversation with Paul. And if you're joining us for the first time, thank you. I appreciate it. The show's been... Um, holding steady like you know there hasn't been any huge leaps recently in listenership but that's fine with me but the biggest favor you can do there's two things that you can do to spread word of the show first of all tell your friends because word of mouth is ultimately the best thing because i mean really you're checking stuff out that your friends tell you to check out you're not checking this out because i'm taking out ads on facebook which i don't do or ads on twitter which i don't do as well um but just do that spread the word as you normally would (laughs) other stuff that you are into. Uh, And then the second way to do that is dive into the iTunes store and leave a rating. As bizarre as it sounds, that really, really helps the show. It bumps us up in the charts and then therefore people will check it out because it has a higher rating and blah, blah, blah. So anyways, do those two things. I would really appreciate that. And um, yeah, I hope that your holiday season, the ramp up to the madness that is Christmas is uh, going okay. Like you've got your presents taken care of, you got your travel plans all situated, whatever else, uh, you know, you got to do for the holiday season. I hope that that is underway. Um, mine is, mine is going well. I am going to be traveling to uh, Las Vegas where I spend it with my grandfather who is uh, 94, 95 years old. And um, yeah, it's weird because, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's almost dead. <laughs> I mean, there's no other way of, of putting that. Um, and, you know, his his health is pretty solid for a 95-year-old guy. But basically, every time Christmas rolls around, I'm really thankful that I have another year with him. And um, it's just, uh, yeah, so it's this weird, joyous, yet at the same time in the back of my head where I'm like, man, next year, it could be completely different where he will no longer exist in my life. And he was, he's a huge reason I am who I am today. And uh, sorry, this is a total tangent, but I just, I'm, I'm, I'm on it. I'm on it right now. But because uh, my grandparents were hugely influential in my life and, uh, you know, they helped pick me up from school and they helped my mom out because uh, she was divorced uh, when I was coming eh, around four or five years old. So um, they helped her out tremendously. And so, yeah, basically, uh, my grandfather's great. And it's funny because I actually did an interview with him that I'm planning on airing at some point, um, maybe on this feed, maybe on a separate thing. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I did an interview with him where I just walked him through his life and it's the shit that people go through is unbelievable because, you know, here's this person living for 95 years, seen both world wars. And, um, you know, here's me sitting behind a computer and I'm just like, Oh, I've done some stuff. I've toured and I've seen things, but it's like, no, 
my grandfather's seen things. I haven't seen anything comparatively speaking to him. But anyways, I hope that you hold your loved ones close for the holidays because that's what you're supposed to do. So anyways, um, I started a new job as well, and that has been awesome. It's super overwhelming, super intimidating, and I'm trying to, uh, you know, fake it like you make it or fake it until you make it, whatever, whatever the saying is, um, trying to make sure that I'm portraying confidence in, in who I am and, uh, what I'm, uh, what am I doing from a profession? So anyways, just had to throw that update in there, but, um, let's dive into, uh, to Paul. So Paul, like I said, is the drummer for Silverstein and typically drummers get no love. <laughs> they, uh, Paul has fortunately, you know, kind of come out in regards to, uh, you know, people interview him and he's not just like, Oh yeah, it's a guy that plays drums and that's kind of it. <clears throat> um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's exciting to be able to talk to Paul cause I've known him for years and years. And then it was funny because I feel strange when like a publicist hits me up to like talk to a friend and I'm like, Oh yeah, no, like I, I know him. I, I could have reached out to him, but it's like, sometimes these things don't occur to me because they're my friends and I just don't immediately think like, Oh yeah. Like, I mean, realistically it's like Paul, I could have spoken to him at any time in the past three years, but then it just kind of all synced up where I'm like, oh, okay, this makes total sense. So, uh, Paul is a great guy. Very soft-spoken, but at the same time, super, super intelligent. Uh, not like those things are mutually exclusive, but um, he just has a very, very cool vision for not only his band, but where he sits in it, where the band sits from a sort of scene slash musical perspective. It's really, really engaging because I think that uh, Silverstein is such an anomaly. The fact that they're still around, the fact they can still draw people when most other bands from that era have either dropped off precipitously or just, just simply don't exist anymore. So uh, yeah, anyways, big shout out to Paul. Thank you for coming on the show. We had to reschedule this a few times. And um, yeah, without further ado, here's my discussion with Paul and I will talk to you after the episode of So I'm tr- I was trying to reflect on where you, I mean, because I get introduced to Silverstein, obviously, because uh, Bill yeah. was, was, was a Punisher and he came up to me at Chain Reaction and was like, hey, I know you. And then <laughs> I think I want to say that I met you that night when you guys were on tour with, I think it was Strike Anywhere. Um I want to say yeah. I, I, I want to say I met you then as well. Um, like I met you and Bill the same night, um, but it, it's I don't know. It's just one of those things. That I'm sure most of your friends that you have are just like, oh, I couldn't tell you when I first met you. Like it's just kind of a blur. Well, it, it's funny too because I mean, <clears throat> I saw you play in Oakville. <clears throat> I didn't talk to you then, but I saw. So like, I, it's like I knew you. It's like but, I knew you all before I knew you. You know what I mean? It's like. I know what he does. I know what his whole thing, you know, it's like, so when you like meet someone, it's like, yeah, like I know you, but I don't know, you You know, it's one of those kind of things. So it's really, it's, it's a really funny uh, introduction if there is one, you know, cause it's like, you're already familiar. Yeah. Um, it, it is, it is, is awesome. it is interesting too, because the, I, I think that, I mean, obviously <clears> that experience <throat> happens across, across all different mediums, but it's interesting where it's like now you can obviously, you know, I had a weird experience yesterday where it's just like I recently started a new job and like had a, um, had, had like a, a lunch with a person and he was like, Oh yeah, I did some deep Google research on you, you know? And it's one of those things where it's like, it's kind of weird that you're obviously your reputation could precede you not only because you know what the person does, but then you're able to get even more context for a person. So like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, is is it one of those things where it's like when you obviously meet people who are, you know, just because you've toured with so many bands and you do generally meet, 
a lot of young, you know, people in their late teens, early twenties that, you know, their reputation may have preceded them. Like, is it one of those things you kind of have to reckon with it in your own head where it's just like, all right, I've got to give this person a fair shake, even though like, you know, I've heard horrible things about them on the internet or whatever, you know? Well, it's, it, that's, what's tough about, about, uh, I, I think musicians even, cause it's like, you know, like there's so many people that even have like kind of a stage persona and then have a real life persona, you know, look at the whole genre of metal. It almost comes across completely different than any of those guys, you know, some of the best dudes I know in touring are metal guys that, you know, on stage, they look like the toughest, brutalist, you know, crazy guys. And then, yeah, you have like lunch with them and they're like talking about, I don't know, mowing their lawn or something. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's so funny. See, when you get to know somebody, it can come across completely different or, or you hear like, Oh yeah, that guy's like such a total dick. And you're like, Hey, he was super nice to me. I don't know why people are passing these bad rumors around, but you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting. At least in the music uh, reputation world, I think it can be really deceiving. No, it totally, <clears throat> it totally can. Cause I, I've, uh, I think, I mean, I've always lived kind of by the principle where it's like, okay, this person may have a bad reputation because of, you know, reasons A, B, and C, but like, as long as they have treated me and like the people that I obviously hold close, like, well, I can't, I can't <clears throat> ascribe to that, you know, the reputation preceding them, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you need to be true to yourself and kind of make your own judgments. Um, yeah, it's tough. It's, it's tough every day. If you don't know how to kind of work into that, you know, you, you can step in all cautiously. You're like, I heard this, but then be proven wrong. It's it's a crazy thing. Right. <laughs> it's a, on that same note, I mean, the uh, you, you definitely always struck me as a person who, um, you know, you're not loud, boisterous. Like, you know, you're definitely the type of person who, you know, I mean, I, I don't mean to paint you. Uh, with a broad brush, but it's like a person who would be identified as a drummer where you're just like, dude, I love to, I love to be in the pocket. Uh, you know, I don't need to be the center of attention. Um, you know, is, is that a accurate representation or do you feel like there's obviously some, some nuances in there that I'm, uh, that I'm missing? Yeah, I, I, th- I think it is. I mean, I think it's, um, I, cause, cause I, I think I, I caught it on myself. I think it's, it's a good drummer. I think I'm, I'm, I'm good. You know, but it, I think to be good, it takes a lot of focus and a lot of work where like there's, I mean, I have two or three guys, you know, they're drunk out of their mind. They don't warm up. They get on stage and they shred it, you know, and they're awesome. I, I, you know, obviously I don't drink, so it's not an issue for me, but also I can't do that. I have to like be warming up an hour before this set and I need to like get changed and be ready. And I need to like not have eaten a meal right before. Like I have to like get in the headspace. <clears throat> I think that's just, that's just me. So it takes a lot more work to kind of get, to, to be able to do my thing a lot as best as I can, but I, I take it really seriously and really prideful. Um, plus, you know, I, I think I've, I've really had a, a big affinity for a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. So that takes a lot of time where it's like the dudes will be partying and it's like, well, I'm checking my email and I'm planning the next stage. I'm like, I'm always in that kind of mode. I'm on tour, but I'm like working on the next tour already and just trying to like keep the ship afloat and just realize that it's, my whole mentality is like a sink or swim. It's like, I don't want to be 10 years down the road and look back and be like, man, that one tour where I like total slacked off or like didn't care. It's like, man, if I only like care a little bit more, it would have been so much better. It's like, I just want to put it all in right now while I can, because tomorrow could be over or tomorrow I could move on to something else. So that's kind of where I'm at. I think it took years to get, even to get to that spot and to even take some of the stuff even more and more serious, but you kind of learn your strengths and weaknesses. And I think that's, that's true with any profession or hobby. 
um, and, and conveniently for me, my hobby is my profession, you know? Yeah, no, that's very, that's very interesting. Cause I, I, I see, I would never, um, have that, that would have never immediately occurred to me what you're talking about in regards to obviously like the, the, the craft and the, the sort of preparation. Um, but it, I, I do notice it in you because the times that, you know, I, I've seen you at shows and, you know, we've hung out. It's definitely like, you know, the, what you're talking about, like the warm ups and obviously the, the sort of ritual that happens. Not only is it obviously, like you said, to prepare you for the show, um, but it, it's it's one of those things where you, you know, you get you're focused. Like you said, it's definitely not just something you uh, take lightly because I think it. It does when you've been a band, obviously, as long as you guys have, it definitely is easy to either, you know, be lazy, you know, to like not care as much and just be like, well, whatever, we, yeah. could, we could dial this set in or whatever, you know, just to have sheer repetition, like no fault of any band that does that. But um, it, it does seem that you guys obviously take what you do uh, seriously. And there's a sense of pride about that. Yeah. And, and I mean, <clears throat> you still have to become adaptable. I mean, there's there's been days where you know, the, you know, your bus is running late or you've had a long drive and you're playing early the next day and you're literally rolling and right onto stage and you got to be able to do it, you know, and we've done that. We've been through every kind of ups and downs and emergencies and, and, you know, breakdowns and stuff like that. You just, you, you adapt to make it work. But 90% of the time when things are smooth and you have the time, I mean, I treat the small club show to a hundred people the same as like a festival to a hundred thousand. You know, it's like, my whole kind of preparation and my whole mentality is exactly the same. But I think that also comes because playing the drums is a physical thing. And it's like, you kind of can't really cheat it in a way, because otherwise you're going to be super sore. You're going to like not play as well or, you know, this or that. So that's kind of where it comes down to for me. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, Have you uh, always been kind of the, the sort of uh, focus focused person as it were where it's like you know did you like did you apply yourself in the same way to you know school and like because you definitely do seem the sort of person uh, just because like you were mentioning too obviously handling a lot of the business for the band um was that something that you like kind of learned how to do or you that was always kind of in your blood and in your dna yeah i mean like i was like 16 when the band started so i was i was yeah, i was in high school I was, uh, but i was doing like i guess like more difficult courses, like all like calculus and maths and computer programming. And like, I was all about all that kind of stuff. And like went to school for engineering, but dropped out after the first semester because we got signed and had to make an album. So did all that kind of stuff. And, and it was always like, <clears throat> I think it was a two sided thing because, um, you know, as much as I, I like, I like being hands on, I like learning about stuff and working behind the scenes. We came from like the, the DIY kind of era, like every band in our hometown, like, you know, either self-recorded or self-produced their album. They went and like photocopied the covers. They burned the CDs on their home computer. They assembled it and then sold it at the merch table themselves. You know, like that was just the mentality, you know, so we, you designed everything, you packaged it all yourself, you, uh, you created it all. So that, that was just kind of in all of our own blood anyways, coming from kind of the DIY music scene of like early, early two thousands. Um, and I think that kind of just stuck with us over time. And it's funny to see the bands that like, I've never done that, that have really like never even bought in CDs and now they're releasing their album on iTunes. And they're just like, whatever, uh, you know, it's just like, it's, it's really changed, but I think that's helped to kind of, that, that's helped to set some of the, the road for success because I think we learned what it took to, to put out a product and what it took to make it meaningful, I guess, beyond just writing some songs. Sure. Sure. Um, 
so the uh you were were you born and raised in the sort of you know southern ontario area yeah yeah right right like between hamilton and toronto there right in burlington so yeah i was born raised there and i still live there today you know i ended up just yeah like kind of sticking sticking with it and it's it's a cool area I, i liked it yeah no absolutely i mean i i you know it <laughs> I, I i know it intimately and it's so it, it, it i have such a fond um uh me- not only memories but just like i was obsessed with that area of music like once i started to become more aware of uh you know in bands whatever in the early 90s from you know chokehold and all that sort of stuff of course. and then obviously great and then just become becoming an unapologetic you know chris callahan fanboy um, and loving cursed and you know everything that he has done i just be, it was one of those things where I, I, it didn't make any sense to me why so much music was coming out of like this southern ontario area and then like even obviously bleeding up to montreal because like i, I don't know it just felt like something was was in the water geographically there that it, like even though all the bands didn't sound alike there was that lineage that made sense in the same way that probably people can look at orange county and kind of do the same sort of thing True. But, um i'm sure I'm sure it was just one of those things. Like once you started to go to shows and start to find the scene, so to speak, did you uh, did you feel that sense of like, oh wow, like I I I don't know what this is, but this is rad. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think uh, I'm thinking back. I don't think we like were in a bubble. I don't think we took it for granted. I think we we knew it was special. I mean, I remember like like when I went to my first like Hellfest and like every band shouting out no warning. And I'm like, that's our band. That's our like hometown band. You know what I mean? Right. Like, but I knew that was big, you know? And then, yeah, I knew like, I mean, I remember seeing like curse play their second show and I knew that was like going to be a big deal. Like I knew that was like an important moment, you know? And then seeing grade, like come back and play the local hall after they just toured across Europe and, you know, and released these records that was a big moment. You know, there was a lot of celebration and, and that was also back in the area where it was really all about um, like homecoming shows or like send off shows. And you, maybe you had the same thing in Orange County. Maybe, maybe you remember when like bands were breaking, they'd like do their like, their like return show, you know, like we just toured all over the world and now we're back, you know, and it'd be everyone come out and be like, yeah, oh, this is the best. Or like, or be like, oh, we're going to Europe for a month, so we're going to do this like kickoff show. And we used to do that stuff all the time, and it was even really just to fund what we were trying to do. It's like, oh, you go play a hometown show, you know you'll sell more merch, you'll make a little bit more money off the door, and that'll cover your expenses for the first like week or two of tour, and that's going to help you out, you know, where like, otherwise, I don't know how bands do it. Like nowadays, bands are just like, jumping from thing to thing they don't really have that fallback home community to, to, to rely on i don't i don't feel at least i don't see that happening a lot you know that's a that's a really good point i never thought about that that the the, the kickoff show or like you said the coming home show like that local thing but yeah you doubt you guys definitely have always waved that flag high in regards to like whether it is you guys doing a show in you know the suburb areas of of toronto or whether it's doing yeah. a proper toronto show um when you guys did you know i remember a couple of years back when you did those uh the album shows where it's like you did what was it you know three or four nights in a row um but yeah no that's that's a good point i didn't think about that element that seems to be missing and i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that you know sometimes bands obviously splinter apart in regards to where they're living you know it's like one person lives here one person lives here so they don't True. Yeah. They're not like anchored to a, a community in the same way that, like you said, just because all you guys still live in that area that you feel even more connected with. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's a lot of bands too that are like, 
yeah, they're almost like super groups. You know, they're like, it's like, ah, oh, it's the cool guitar and vocal guy. And then they got their drummer off YouTube and they got the bass player from Europe or something. I don't know. And they've like, just put this and they're great. And they're a great band, but it's like <clears throat> all those bands back in the day, it's like, either they all went to the same high school. They all grew up together and maybe not everybody was the best musician, but they created some interesting stuff because I think they were so connected probably, you know, like, sometimes when you get a group of people even like for us it's like we did, none of us went to the same high school but i mean we lived within a 10 mile radius of each other pretty much so it's like we all had the same exact experiences for all of our de- you know developing years so you know i think that shapes people so like we we have an unspoken language even when writing songs it's like we, you know because we're referencing the same influences we're referencing the same experiences and and that really crafts something. So I think we stumble upon a lot of happy accidents because of that, and as opposed to being too calculated. It's like, you know, well, we got this super guy on this instrument, and he's awesome. He's going to do his super thing that he does, and it's, it's super not connected to any of us. You know, it's like we just have a much more in-tune kind of vibe, I think. And that was true of, I guess, a lot of those local scenes that were so geographically centered and not decentralized because of the internet, like how it is now or whatever other change that's happened uh, over the years. Right. Right. Well, (laughs) I just thought of a funny notion where it's just like, yeah, you guys could all like suck together and get better over time. Like (laughs) there is, there is. Yeah. And that's what we did. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally it. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. There's that element of like, you know, because you don't have the sort of infinite resources of obviously, like you said, finding the best musician, it's usually just like sheer proximity, like you were mentioning, where it's just like, oh, like that person is like tolerable <clears throat> at their particular instrument, but they're they're cool, so I want to hang out with them. And that was like the sheer function of, like you said, just because all of all, all the people were surrounding you. It's not like you had infinite resources to pull out the best musicians possible. Exactly. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and I mean, I think even for us, it's like we kind of rode two ways. I mean, I think, A, we all got better as musicians, um, naturally, from the experience, the sheer practice and all the performing. And B, I think technology also got better. So it's like, not that we rely on technology, but it's just like our recordings started sounding better because they could, because the producers were better and we had better equipment and we bought better gear and this and that, you know, so you have all these things. So that's where it's like some bands like come out with their first record and it sounds so polished and it's like, where do you go from there almost? You know, it's like <laughs> like all the bands I'm sure you and I listen to, like you look at bands like Caven or something like that. I mean, the early recordings are a bit raw, but that's what made them special. And at the end, they sound polished and it's like, you can pick an era and you can like that. And it's like, it's diverse and it grew and you see like, it's not, it's not just the constant uh, thing. It, it, <clears throat> it, you have the ups and the downs and, and that's, that's what was cool. You know, it was cool. Remember, it's like, you know, I like the demo tape. It just had that raw feel. And it's like, well, I like the full length, you know, it was a bit more produced. You don't have that a lot, a lot of nowadays, you know what I mean? And like, luckily we, we kind of got that still. Yeah, no, that's true. I, I, I didn't, I, I really like the way that you're, you're, you're presenting these things. Cause it's just, it, it seems, um, I guess obvious, like the way that you're describing it, but yeah, I just didn't consider where it's like, yeah, if you're releasing your full length and it's like your, your debut full length and it is the most, you know, like you said, polished, produced, whatever word you want to put on it. Like, like you said, where do you go from there? Like where it's like some bands, I always, you know, reference like at the gates and slaughter of the soul, how they obviously felt like they couldn't top that. So that's why they broke up. And it's like, you know, bands that are like, just like, you know, maybe like 18, 19 years old are releasing these like, really really polished records and you're just like where do you go from there you can't get any more polished or where are you going 
Yeah, and like, and maybe they're all shredders too. You know, it's like uh, it, it's it's just funny. I mean, and like because I, I I love seeing the growth of it all. I, and and I guess it goes back to us. I mean, we'd all record demos. You'd record demos, but you'd also release them, I guess. And you would that was just what you did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it was just it was just cool to see the change. I, I've always argued with Bill. I always tell Bill because you know we're both like piebald fans, and I was telling him like you know they lost me after the first first demo tape right you know and maybe after sometimes friends fight and then i'm like sorry i lost it and it's just like that's like such like a mean thing to even say about a band it's just like they were, weren't even like probably even like knew what what they were doing yet and it's like no but that's that's what i like i like the raw great stuff and he was still screaming right. i don't know like totally. you know it's just like but yeah and like nowadays i mean there i guess there's the odd band that like kind of the, the only modern thing that i've seen and, and it's like i love i love music and i love all genres of music and most of the music i listen to is well removed from the scene just because what i like but the only thing i've seen modernly the example of really is title fight and i haven't really got like to figure that out but it's such an interesting anomaly of a band that's like con like they completely changed its sound and and it's cool because fans can literally pick the record they like and they're completely different. And that's the closest comparison to like say what Caven did or what some of these other bands did, you know, which which no one else is doing. No one's taking risks like that either. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it's it's a big it's a big change. Yeah, it's, no, no, it's a very good point. That yeah, I, I could see I could see the comparisons of why you would would you would look at that and be like, oh yeah, that's analogous to you know what was happening uh, as you were able to watch bands like literally grow right in front of you as opposed to come yeah. like come birthed into the world like fully formed you know <laughs> yeah because i mean like everything i mean there's yeah like a lot of like the 80s and 90s like a lot of those bands yeah like they maybe started out as like like a new wave band and ended up as like a hardcore band i don't know you never knew like what people were like they things were evolving in such a weird pace but now people are like they've done their homework they're like nope we know exactly how it's going to sound like this is a, this is all we can do. We've 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 boiled it down. We've done the chemistry on it. This is what we are. You know, there's no there's no experimentation. Yeah, no, f- for sure, for sure. Um, and so, you know, as you started to kind of discover independent music, and uh, you know, your parents, what did your what did your parents do for a living as you were growing up? Like, how what was your family structure like? Um, yeah, I'm the only child, and just my my parents both were just jobs in the in the area. Like my dad was like. Uh, a science side, like a water purification. My mom worked at a steel company, real simple, you know, suburb stuff. So lived in the suburbs, went to shows every weekend, sometimes multiple shows in a weekend, you know, and, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was fun. It was easy. And it was, and I think it really like, kept me focused because I was too busy going to shows or playing shows to get in any kind of trouble, you know? Right. Yeah. I definitely, you know, I want to drill down the only child experience just because I can identify with that. I didn't have brothers or sisters and the, um, I, f- I found, I mean, I love being an only child. Like, I don't know. Do you have different experiences? Uh, I'm fine with it. Yeah, I'm totally fine with it. <laughs> I always, you know, I, I always find it funny because people always immediately have that gut reaction just because, you know, only children sometimes, um, you know, get uh, inappropriately maligned where they're just like, oh, you must be really lonely and like, don't talk to anybody <laughs> and have no social skills or whatever. Um but I, I find so many people have that gut reaction of just being like, oh, well, why didn't you have brothers or sisters? Like, it's your decision, you know? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but yeah, you, it's, it's just. But, but you, you really, so you really enjoyed the, 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 I guess, obviously, you know, nothing beyond that experience. But I guess kind of looking around and knowing other people like you, you are, are, are glad you kind of uh, had that environment. 
Yeah, I, I think it's kind of shaped like my personality. Like I'm, I'm very like <clears throat> I don't, I don't know. I like I don't like waiting for things. I don't like just kind of going with the flow. I like things to be calculated. I like the things to be in, in control. You know, and I think like the chaos of a sibling would maybe kind of take it the opposite way, you know, or I don't know. I, I think I, I lean more to type A, I guess. And like the way that I, you know what I mean? I handle stuff. So sure. I think it's probably because of that. I, I I'm guessing in yeah. some way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I can <clears> see that. And so as you started to discover independent music and like you said, go to shows every weekend and become, you know, really, really enamored, by the style of music, um, were your parents ever concerned? Were they, uh, you know, showing signs of what the Paul, Paul's a pretty, you know, straight and narrow kid. Like, I don't, I don't, this is a weird vibe. I don't get this. Or were they generally just kind of like, well, as long as he's out of trouble, like that's okay. I think because I was also playing music and going to like shows, I think it was just a supportive thing. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, I don't, I never really had that thing where it's like, uh, these hardcore bands you're listening to sound really violent. You know, it wasn't like, and I mean, they obviously never went to the show, so they never got to see like you know, you know, when I saw like Haymaker play and they threw like fireworks to the crowd and like in a small like two hundred cap venue, like they weren't there, so they don't know how violent that was or like right. you know, or like even like at a curse show where like I mean you got big dudes moshing, you know, and I'm like I'm scared to get hurt, but you know it's just like yeah, hey, it wasn't any of a concern or thing, and and um, but I also like went to a lot more chill shows than that. You know what I mean? Like going to see like Yola Tango when I'm 18, you know, like definitely no one's moshing there, you know? So right. Not, like, not, not an intimidating show from that perspective. Yeah, exactly. So, and so yeah, so no, no concerns really. Yeah, that's cool. Um, did you, uh, did you gravitate towards drums immediately or were there other things that you kind of, you know, fiddled around with as you were finding how it was that you wanted to express yourself? Um, I was taking like piano lessons for like two years and kind of like working on music theory that way because it's kind of a good fundamental um, kind of way to learn. Um, but then we just gravitated to rhythm and, and kind of my piano teacher lent me a drum kit for the summer, which is kind of a bad idea. She <laughs> worked at like at music school. That's so, and, uh, that's so random. And then I just like never took another piano lesson. So it's like, thanks a lot. You just got yourself, you know, fired. Right. You put but, yourself uh, out of a job. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah. And it just like got, and then immediately it was like, well, I can start a band. You know, it's like, I've got a drum kit now. So, I, so it's like me and like my friends when we're like in like the seventh grade, just being like, yeah, we can like, you know, we're listening to a lot of grunge music. Let's just do that. Which is so funny because relevant to now, everybody wants to be in a grunge band. And I'm like, I did that when I was like 12. Sure. <laughs> you know, but, of course, because that, that was, uh, the, that was the music that was on the radio. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, but it was so cool. Even though it was on the radio, it was so cool, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. And then that just kind of, kind of went from there, but I, I still like, you know, I still like, like, um, well, I really like electronic music and stuff, which obviously derives from that and allows you to kind of compose a lot of creative stuff um, mm-hmm. using that fundamental uh, basis. Yeah, for so, sure. Yeah. I, I've always, I, I mean, I attempted to play drums early in my, uh, well, I, my musical career, but uh, the reason I gravitate towards it, because obviously you could hit things really hard and that was fun. But then I liked it <laughs> because I liked it because obviously there was like, uh, you know, at the time, like I know there's obviously notes for drums, but at the same time, it's not in the same capacity as obviously a guitar. So exactly. I was just like, oh, there's no notes. It's just a, yeah, you just got to hit it and like keep some time. <laughs> Did, yeah, I, I remember like I, I went through a couple of years of like drum lessons where like I'd read drum sheets and I'm just like, this is like, 
holding me back. You know, I just like, I mean, it, it's cool. It's, it's really cool that you can transcribe drums and you can read it. Um, and it's good, I think, for fun, some fundamentals, but I was picking up everything by ear and kind of like analyzing. Like I learned how to tune out the guitars and just listen to the drums in the song. And I'm like, I need to learn how to play that, you know? So it's like, that's, that's kind of what I was focused on most. Right, right. I remember, I remember too with, with the, uh, you know, when Green Day's Dookie came out, I, I was so excited because it's like, I felt like I could play air drums to Trey Cool and <laughs> like hit every symbol like you know like i was like oh yeah i got every symbol hit like perfectly um did you have any records like that where you were like you felt were sort of uh, in your wheelhouse where you're just like yes i can play this like this this makes me a solid drummer in my own you know kid logic head i mean the stuff that that was really that i was listening to a lot when i was really playing drums especially in the beginning like like smashing pumpkins like melancholy just came out which, I mean, the drum parts on that are actually pretty insane. I think I thought I could play parts that I definitely couldn't at the time. But, like, that's, like, that's what I was, like, analyzing, you know? And that was more of a traditional approach to drumming anyways. So, like, stuff like that and, uh, and, and um, ironically enough, even, like, like some of the Stone Temple Pilot stuff, because that was really a band that influenced me, too. Because um, some of the, the best rhythms and songs, you know, like... Um, so like all that kind of stuff was happening when I was really starting to play drums. That's awesome. Um, and so did you, uh, the, for, for all intent purposes is like silver senior first like, real band or like, did you, did you play in something before that? Like you played some shows? Um, cause I, I just wasn't aware of your trajectory. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I did this like little grunge band thing, which we recorded some demos and played like 10 shows, you know? And then I, uh, yeah, then we started Silverstein, and then aside from that, I just did a couple other little things, um, like some kind of more like poppy kind of bands. But we recorded some demos, played a couple shows, and that was it. Just got too busy, you know, always with with uh, Silverstein to to really do anything else. So, sure. so that's kind of what happened, you know. Yeah. And did you? Yeah, I mean, because I, I just think most people uh, look, especially a band that has existed for you know as long as you guys have have that the uh, idea of it being your first real band, people are just like, Oh, it's wow. funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's crazy to think of it like that, but yeah, it's lasted you for quite some time. So excuse me, you look, you look thirsty over there. Are you thirsty? Okay. That's what I thought because I am here to provide you a solution. I'm not just talking like water. I mean, water's fine, but this is something that is just, it just trumps water. I'll just go ahead and say it. So this is a product called Zevia. Zevia. Say it with me. Zevia. So the reason this thing is so unbelievably awesome is that it's a zero calorie, naturally sweetened soda that's totally different. Because I mean, you've you've seen the diet stuff that's out there. 99.9% of it, I'll be straight up, is terrible. Garbage. This is so not. So there's no sugar, no calories, and non-GMO project verified to make this a cleaner and healthier soda option. Zevia is available in 15 different flavors. My personal favorite, Dr. Zevia. It's so good. I love it. Drink it. Drink that one first and foremost. Just, you won't regret that. But there's like cream soda, black cherry, cola, ginger ale, and zero calories. Unbelievable stuff. So go to zevia.com backslash podcast because Zevia, Zevia is giving away thousands of free six packs. Seriously. 
You can do this. Just go to zevia.com backslash podcast, and then you will be able to potentially win a free case of soda. Like you, you can't lose on that. And uh, like I've been telling you, you know, over the past couple uh, couple ads, is that the this stuff is unbelievable. My mom introduced me to it years ago, and I fell off the train for some reason. Just didn't didn't drink it for a while, and boy, was that a mistake. There, uh, my wife is also lives with me, obviously, and uh, she was like, "Oh my gosh, you got a lot of a lot of soda," and I'm like, "Yeah, try this out." She does not like soda. She does not like the bubbliness of it. I made her try some of this, and she was like, that's actually really good. So from a person who does not like soda typically, drinks this, and is like, that's pretty good. To me, that is a resounding recommendation. So if you are trying to kick that that habit of the, you know, super thick syrup, like just, you know, is terrible for you, drop that and go to Zevia. Because like I said, zero sugar, zero calories, basically it's the elixir of the gods. I'm just going to go ahead and put that out there and that's what I'm calling it. But visit zevia.com backslash podcast and you will maybe be able to win a free six pack. So uh, do it up. Growing up doesn't mean you need to outgrow heavy metal. And now for discerning metal heads everywhere, there's a podcast just for you. Metal Brainiac is the smartest half hour in heavy metal. There's no beer or bro talk, and we leave Satan at the door as we dive into serious conversations with top metal artists. We dig into the creative process and explore the challenges of expression when people can't make out the lyrics. I'm Matt Pikin, the host of Metal Brainiac, and you can find us every week on iTunes and wherever you find your favorite podcasts and also at metalbrainiac.com. Like you were mentioning earlier, and we kind of briefly touched on, so you've, um, you know, for as long as I've known you, you've definitely been the, um, you know, the business guy of the band. Obviously, everybody in the band has, you know, opinions and, you know, everybody weighs in democratically, I, I can imagine, within the band. Of course, yeah. but, the, but obviously, it's all, it's all kind of funneled through you. Um, was that something that uh, that you just basically kind of took on immediately because like you said it, it obviously fit your personality you like the focus of it um or or did it just kind of like evolve and then randomly fall on your your, your plate so we're, you know walk me through the evolution there because usually and i've joked around with shane when he was on my show about this i was like you know you're not the business guy of the band usually the singers of the band that kind of falls on them because they're the you know the people people see that person the most or whatever. Um, but so it's kind of weird, you know, for me personally, just to look at, it's like, Oh, well, like, Oh, the drummer, he's the person that's kind of, you know, <laughs> putting, putting the pieces together. So like, walk me through that evolution. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just like kind of early on. Um, so I, like I'm, I'm like, obviously not like a songwriter in the band. I think it was kind of like, okay, well, these guys are going to like write a bunch of songs and I'm going to do all the stuff to like make these songs big you know, and I'm going to like do whatever I can to like make sure everything stays on schedule and everything, you know, everyone's happy and like, okay, we have a label. Someone needs to talk to label every day. And I'm like, I remember getting like <clears throat> kind of advice early on from some other victory artists. Like what that, the first label we signed to, they're like, yeah, you know, like great label, just, you know, you got to stay on it. Like you got to talk to your label all the, de- all the time. I'm like, that's good advice. Like, you know, even we, we just played a show to 50 kids, email them and tell them, you know, we had a great show. People are psyched. We're psyched. You kind of ha- you kind of learn. You're like, okay, like every day there's something you got to do. Okay, I need to talk to the label. I need to talk to the publicist. Okay, you know, how's the bank account looking? All right, we got to make sure that we can pay for all this stuff. You know, 
And it just becomes like, okay, well, I'm starting to learn this stuff and like, okay, I can do this. And then when it's like, I can do this and wait, now we're being successful and I know how to do this better than some other people. Like let's, and, and really what, it, what it, you grow into over years and years. And now, you know, we've just completed our 15th year as a band. And, and actually this year is, is the biggest year, um, the highest grossing, most successful best year we've ever done, which is insane after 15 years. Um, you really like I think we've really learned who our fans are, what they like, how to reach them, how to cater to them, and also how to nurture them. And I think it's a very important thing. And it's like there's a great ton of prof- professionals out there that could probably do any an equal job. Maybe they could do better, but it's like they haven't done it for fifteen years to know all that stuff. It would be a big learning curve. It would be a lot of stuff. And that's what I'm seeing with a lot of like longer career artists that that you know, you kind of grow into the stuff and, and I'm taking notes every day in my head just about how to do things or things I want to do differently. And we really rode the way. It's like, we've had, you know, times where the trend of what we're doing was really on the low and you've kind of had to battle through it. And then technology has hit, been up against you and this and that, but it, it's, um, you know, it's just taking, taking the time. And I think, and I think, uh, luckily we've, we've stayed, well, we've kept our eyes open to, to do it the best we possibly can. And, and I'm just really proud of it. And I think that's what motivates me, but um, it's really just been that evolution of, of, of time and, and seeing the success when we've done things ourselves or when I, when I've kind of put forth an idea or tried to help out in whatever way possible. Yeah, no, it's, I see what you're talking about where it's just like the, um, the notion of, of never stop learning and don't feel like, you know, everything because, you know, usually at that point you'll be handed, you know, a whole new set of challenges that you have would have had no idea how to handle previously. But I mean, I think that's why a lot of people may look at what you guys have done. And like, obviously you've never been to the point of, you know, being on the radio and selling, you know, a million records and like having, you know, gold records and all this other, all the other sort of commercial success. But the you know whatever the old adage of slow and steady wins the race where it's like there for all intent and purposes you guys should not be a band anymore <laughs> just as far as like like you said surviving, <laughs> no, totally, yeah. surviving the trends and doing all that but i i think that's what um you know to me just as as an outsider like looking at what you guys have done i think that's what kind of um you know endears you to people where it's just not like it's ever felt like you guys have been like oh dude they're on the other side of the mountain. Like this is, this, this is painful to watch. You guys shouldn't be doing these, you know, anniversary shows and 40 people show up or what, you know, cause you, you see bands like that where you're just like, Oh God, guys, hang it up, you know, but you guys have never, um, thankfully hit that point. Um, I, I don't know if that, I don't know if I'm just, there's no question in there, but I'm just kind of talking out loud. Whereas like the, the, the people that follow you as far as your fans are concerned, I think they do recognize that they're still, you're still their band, you know, like it's, you're not unrecognizable from what you were, you know, 10 years ago. No. And, and honestly, I, I think we're lucky that I think our new, our, we're writing new songs that I think are legitimately better than the old stuff, you know, it might be different. So maybe people might not like it more than the old stuff, or maybe some of them do, some of them don't, but I think we are writing the best stuff possible and, and producing it the best we can. So I think that really speaks volumes for us. And, um, Another big thing too is we've never really slowed down. We've we've seen the void of uh, and, and identified it and then nurtured it. We haven't. <clears throat> I mean, like obviously you need to take time off sometimes, or maybe you need to 
step away, write or make a record or not tour an area for a spot or be creative and be like, how can we do this different next time? But I mean, there's, there's little things that you do just to, to make every time you come to a city different, um, whether it be playing different songs, having different merch, having branding the tour differently, touring with different types of bands, refreshing kind of things like that, uh, bringing different production. And we, we think about that. We don't just say, Oh, it was good last time. Let's just do the same thing. We change all of those things and we do it regularly. You know, like for example, this year we're hitting some of the same cities for the third time in one year. And every time has been completely different and we've done all those things differently. To, so our fans get an experience because there are like, I talked to the fans that have been to all three shows now and, and none of them are like bummed. Like they're so, they are different songs and things are different. It, it's just that that's really important. And then it's like, okay, now we can take a step back from there. Let's go work on somewhere else. Let's tour somewhere else. or let's work on another project or what else can we do to like, to, to make things more interesting, you know? Um, and then obviously social media and online stuff that, that feeds people in a totally different way without even having to go tour and learning about like the significance about your Facebook post and what kind of reach it's going to get and how to brand the graphics. And, and, you know, we have a tour videographer photographer, you know, for like the second time this year, but really the first time ever. And that's opened up a whole new way of capturing the best quality content that makes people even more psyched. So it's a real feeding frenzy as far as like how we kind of toss more into the pool for everybody to, to get excited about. Yeah, no, that's super exciting. The thread I wanted to kind of pull on when you were, you were, you were saying all that is like you, um, it, it seems too that there's obviously no ego kind of tied up within the context of Silverstein, not only as a collective, but then just as the individual members, like even though um, there's been many times where you guys could have bought into whatever hype was being, you know, tossed on you or you guys are the, you know, next big thing or whatever, you know, whatever hyperbole is, is wrapped up in that. Um, and I, I think, um, I, I don't know. I, I, I think there's definitely something within that, that idea of you guys just, just, uh, having, uh, like I said, no ego or the fact that you can, yeah, it's like, whatever, of course, this younger band is going to play over us because they're more popular or whatever. And you guys, I've never shied away from being like, okay, well, yeah, I guess we're less popular than we were, you know, this, this time through, but then, you know, maybe in a year we'll be back to where we're at. Um, you know, kind of walk me through that, that thought process that I know you guys have definitely put a lot of conscious effort into and not be, um, you know, kind of take your pill and swallow it and be like, okay, well that just means we need to work harder or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I think you have to kind of like read, read the kind of the, the, scenario what's going on because like it could be at the end of your deal with your label the label's not really pumping any marketing into your band and maybe the latest record was ambitious but maybe people didn't really connect with it as much and maybe the support bands you brought out weren't the right thing maybe the kind of the design and the vibe of things aren't really meshing so then you have to be like all right <clears throat> we're going to make another record so that that kind of deals with that there'll be other tours but be other chances to do some of these things, just identify the things that aren't working and make them better. Or maybe it's just the time of the year. Maybe it's just, you know, we went out on tour at the wrong time. Um, maybe the album came out too late, too early, whatever it is. Or maybe like, maybe we can make a video. Maybe we can promote that single better. Maybe we can redesign some things. Maybe we can re record another B side, put that out or remarket. There's always like kind of things that you, you can do. And then, <clears throat> but it's also like being an artist. It's like when you, when you release a new album, it's almost like a new chance. 
it's not even just like a new chance to like prove yourself because we're not, we're not just sitting around trying to prove that we're able to do this. It's just another chance to be like, you know, we have a new idea or nothing, something new. And it, it really, it really, um, revitalizes the brand of what we're doing. And, and that's always like a really exciting time, um, you know, for us. So it's, you know, you kind of, you kind of run, run through those things. Plus, you know, you look at the trend, you know, remember like crunk core, remember that thing, you know, and then remember like when metal bands had dubstep breakdowns, like that lasted a year and we just kept cruising through that came out on the other side, you know? And it's like, um, you, you really, you also kind of, yeah, like get bombarded with a bunch of stuff on the outside that's, that's terrible or are not going to last, you know? Um, and you, and you get, you get past it. So, um, I think we just kind of keep our head up and, and keep stoked in, and you've got to re- remain confident that you got to remain confident that what you're doing is the best you can do and that you believe in it. And we always have, we never thought like, <clears throat> Oh, you know, we could have, you know, that was a bad album. We never thought that, but sometimes you might be like, yeah, that was really ambitious and that was really cool. But now we want to get back to this, you know, it's almost like when we did like short songs, it was like cool to like, do that and like we learned so much about even the recording process that late in our career or or our own capabilities that when we came out i think we made one of our best albums of all time because it had refreshed us you know and it's like but that album wasn't like the pinnacle to our success and some people didn't even understand it and some people even hated it but it was almost good that we did it because it almost made the next thing that much better you know it's like you kind of have to look at things overall now, especially because we're so deep in, we have like seven albums. I mean, I guess eight, if you include short songs. So it's like, there's so much stuff that you can kind of, and fans can almost even cherry pick their favorite songs from your entire catalog and and hate entire albums and still love your band. So it's a weird point to be in, you know, it's, it's, you really have to kind of weigh every possible thing. So it's wild. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, when, when obviously you, you guys were, um, you know, like you mentioned, releasing your first records on victory and kind of the groundswell of supports that started to kind of build around mm-hmm. the band. Um, when did you yourself, um, kind of, you know, sort of have that out of body experience where you're able to have that perspective on like, wow, this is a thing that people are identifying with. Um, this is pretty impressive, whether it's a particular moment or whether it's like it was a particular tour, something that kind of stood out. It doesn't even have to be like your first or second record. It may have been later, but just kind of that, you know, uh, take me through that, that thing that made it feel, uh, f- real for you. <clears throat> I, I mean, I think it was tough because we were pretty young and, and also it, it was, we were so bit like we were touring from tour to tour and things were so busy, but I think like really when it kind of, kind of came time to make the second record, I don't think we really had the pressure, but we knew it was going to be big and we knew that we had that confidence, I think. And then I think playing those songs for the first time, like they were getting the immediate reaction that like, kind of like, well, people haven't heard this song and they're already going off for it. Like that, that was crazy because we already had a little bit of a name. So people were like paying attention. Um, you know, but that's pretty far. And that's almost like five years into when we started, you know? So, so we had kind of really, we run the gauntlet of just like being psyched just to be playing music, not, not even just like drawing any people to the show. It was just great to be doing what we're doing. Like, Oh yeah, we're going to tour in the van. Awesome. We're just excited, you know, like, so it, it, that almost five years into really kind of seeing that things were, were really kicking off, I think. That's awesome. 
Um, and, and kind of, you know, on the flip side, sort of, uh, having those soul searching moments, um, you know, more reflective on you personally, cause you know, everybody in bands obviously, um, is not experiencing the same moments the same way. Like, you know, e- even if it is a terrible show, sometimes, you know, everybody else in the band is just like, Oh, whatever. But then, you know, that particular night it's hitting you like way harder because you're just like, Oh gosh, like, what am I doing? Like, you know, like I said, those sort of soul searching moments, what were, um, you know, whether it's like particular, uh, tours or, you know, record cycles or whatever, what kind of sticks out in your head as far as being like, all right, this wasn't, this wasn't a very positive time for me, but you know, I, I was able to get through it. I put my head down or whatever sort of, you know, thing that kind of got you through the other side. Cause obviously you're, you're, you're still standing, you're still a band. Um, you know, did, did you have those sort of, uh, soul searching moments for you or, or was it generally kind of, you know, on the up and up for the most part? <clears throat> I mean, I think, um, I think even like maybe like kind of like 2007, was like towards the end of it was, was pretty rough. We, we had been touring a lot, like a lot and a lot. And, and also we had, we had done a record that we, we kind of had to rush and it was not a good experience. And, you know, I think it was tough because it was like, and, and we, we, we weren't focused at that point. We didn't know like what the, where the right tours or like how to do them and, and all that stuff. <clears throat> and I, I think, I think it was, it was by the end of the year, it was tough it was tough doing it. Like even I like physically, like my, my body wasn't keeping up with me. Like I was in a lot of pain from like drumming and like, it was really, really, I did not manage that, you know, and you're, you're just like, so you're trying to figure out how to get through that. And I'm like, I mean, I guess this is my job. I don't know. Like, it's still like, I'm, I'm still pretty young at that point, And like, we've been doing it for seven years, but professionally for about four, but it was like four nonstop, like four, like 300 days a year on, on the road, you know? <clears throat> and like already three commercially released albums. But then I guess like you kind of come out of it. Um, <clears throat> I don't really know how you get refocused, but <clears throat> I know by the beginning of 2008, that was like, I think our biggest, uh, by far our biggest headliner ever. And it went so successful. And I think, <clears throat> I, I think, I think just 2007 was a rough year. And I think we got out of it. We, we started 2008 off right and then I think that started to, de- to develop the next chapter because we'd gotten through those, those really first four or so years of, of really grinding it. And, um, and, and finally where I think, I think feeling a lot better, at least personally for me, that, that it just kind of changed. I don't really know what it is. I mean, obviously I guess it's like you kind of rely on the fans to be your motivation because without that, what's the point? But um, it's sometimes it just takes time to, you know, it takes a break. It takes like a, a step back to, to know, that you love it and know that it's going well. Yeah, no, it's a, that's a really good, I like that because it, it definitely it takes you sometimes to, you know, get to those really low points in order for you to be able to uh, appreciate, uh, you know, whether it is a good tour or a good show or whatever to kind of put you back in that mental focus of being like, Hey, maybe this isn't as bad as, you know, like last night or last week or whatever. Um, it kind of has to, you have to have those highs and lows in order to be able to enjoy the the highs, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, kind of where, uh, where, where you personally stand now, like, uh, I, I've always been, I've always a- admired your eclectic music taste because, um, you know, it's definitely, uh, I, I think most people, it's like when you're, you know, young and watching bands and, and seeing the music that they create, usually you don't have the context that they're probably not listening to what it is that they're actually creating, you know, like they're, they're probably into some stuff that you're just like, Oh my gosh, I didn't even know that. 
um, you were into this whole other, you know, singer songwriter acoustic thing or whatever. You know? Exactly. Um, and so, you know, what, what kind of, uh, has drawn you towards electronic music in general? Cause like you mentioned earlier, it was, it's a huge, you know, affinity and passion of yours, not only from listening to it, but then obviously creating it on the side as well. Um, what, what kind of, you know, I guess flips your switch about that particular, uh, music in general. <clears throat> My biggest thing is that, um, I, I like that electronic music is basically a blank canvas and that so many of the great artists don't fall to any kind of template or any kind of structure. And sometimes they do. And sometimes it naturally can means that way, but you basically like, even from the very sound, they're all created and they can be whatever you're not, you're not working with a palette like you are with rock music. You know, you have your guitars and you have your bass and your drums and you know, there's different tones, but it's very, it, it's more like three dimensional where like there's no d- limit of dimension on, on electronic music. So I really love that kind of stuff. And that's why I even experimented on stuff on the side where it's so much fun to like, to get into that world. And it's even super relaxing for me to like kind of work on that kind of stuff or like, listen to it and stuff like that so that's that's really my big thing and plus like you pull some amazing rhythms out of some of that stuff like i mean i can listen to some of those records and like even be influenced on something that could even apply to to this band even or like just overall you know and it really kind of keeps your mind open as far as music goes i'd say that's awesome yeah it's definitely um I think, it, I mean, obviously it's, it's a symptom of growing older and you can't just continually listen to the, the same records over and over and you have to, uh, I mean, well, actually, you know, that's not true because obviously some people <laughs> have a tendency to just basically go to their old reliable stuff and then don't ever listen to, you know, the, the stuff that they grew up on or whatever and don't. Oh, are, totally. Yeah. There's those people that, yeah, like, like they stopped discovering bands after they turned 21 or something, you know, and that's fine. But for me, I'm like, I love new music. Like, I subscribe to Apple Music. I'm constantly checking out new stuff and then buying on vinyl what I what I like and stuff. And it's it's awesome, you know. Like I mean, this year has been like an amazing year for music too. So I've been really excited about it. Yeah, that's it. It is exciting, and I, I think that's the the you know flipping over. Uh, I always use the analogy of like flipping over a rock and finding this whole different universe that's underneath there, and just like yeah, you trip into something that you never would have thought of was a thing, you know five years ago you know but then all of a sudden it's this this whole the whole other universe that you can get obsessed and you know only child-esque like about <laughs> yeah exactly exactly the um and so you know because uh obviously like where where the band is at right now that you guys you know you still spend a majority of the time on the road and you personally are married and you've you've been married now for what three years four years am i crazy where where's actually in march it'll be six years which is crazy to think it's been that long i I can't believe it time's gone by super fast yeah that's amazing yeah um and so now now obviously i mean your your wife is very familiar with what you're doing um but i'm sure there's still those uh instances of uh you know how, how you've had to become accustomed being away from her so much and kind of, you know, talk to me about the navigation of what it's like. Uh, cause I think a lot of people that, uh, you know, are on the outside and just obviously go to shows and watch bands, uh, don't know the, the strain that gets put on, uh, personal relationships, uh, back home and stuff like that. So, you know, t- tell me how you've kind of navigated that. <clears throat> yeah. I think you just have to really compartmentalize the time because it's like when we're together, we spend like, like so much time together and like uh, you know she's like my everything and we 
<clears throat> we just like we have we synchronize on everything like we love all the same music you know even the obscure stuff that i love and and you know the shows that we go to we both equally love and and all of the culture and stuff that, that i love culture and stuff like that so it's we love all the same stuff and we spend a lot of time together and we share all that stuff and you really have to, and we love to travel. That's like our big thing is we love to travel. <clears throat> and that's like almost like kind of our hobby together. And, and like, I know that I travel for a living. So it's like, it's funny because like we kind of like always have one big trip on the go and we want, we, you, you spend so much time planning it and thinking about it and talking about it. And that's just so much fun, you know? And even though, like I said, I travel for a living, it's cool to do it with somebody else and to go to different places that I don't normally um, do on tour. So um, that makes it really exciting for us and uh, let me kind of step away from this for, from time to time. And then, um, you know, but, but I think, I mean, she's super supportive and, and honestly being married, like the best. It, it, and honestly, I think it cuts out so much of that stress or so much of that, um, uncertainties that would might may happen just, just, you know, in a more casual setting. So, and, and I mean, assuming hopefully, you know, if some people get married that hopefully they're on the same page and luckily I am. So it's like, you know, you immediately know you have the same vision and the same goals and, and you can, you know how to balance each other, you know, like if I'm having a rough day or if I, if I don't feel well, or if like, you know, I'm stressed or whatever, like she understands it and knows how to compliment that or knows when I need to do my thing or whatever. So, you know, it's, it, it works well for me, but it's tough being away from home. You know, you just have to like, really soak up the time and really appreciate the time together. And when you're at home, you know, and, uh, and I do, and it honestly, it, it definitely makes you appreciate home like a hundred times more every time you go away, even if it's like a weekend, but that's probably a lot of people feel that way. Even if you don't travel for a living, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's nice to go away, but it's even like nicer to get home sometimes. Yeah. It's not, it's not much, it's not much sweeter when you're able to experience it. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. The, uh, the, the last thing I want to hit on was the, um, the, the idea that, you know, I mean, bands don't last forever. Like you, you can't expect this to be, you know, sustaining you for the next, you know, 20 years and that sort of stuff. Um, and not like, not like I'm saying that the band is going to break up next year, but it's like, you know, do, do you personally, um, uh, have visions for the future in regards to like, okay, like I'm, you know, if Silverstein organically comes to an end, like, would I, uh, you know, would I attempt to create music in, in a different fashion or would I want to try to start another band? Like, you know, have you entertained thoughts like that? Like I said, I'm, I'm front loading it for you so that people aren't misreading this where it's like, oh yeah, Paul says Silverstein's going to break up and he's going to start a new band. But I'm just, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, you know, what sort of visions do you have for your own, um, wh- whether it's like maybe pulling on visions that you had for, you know, when you were younger in regards to like, oh, like, I'm not going to play in a band for my whole life like i'll be a teacher or whatever you know uh what sort of thoughts do you have kicking around your head in regards to that yeah i, th- I think uh I'm, i mean I, I love the music industry and i've learned a lot about it and it'd be fun to do something on the behind the scenes and, and working more in the industry um I, I could possibly do something like that you know who, who knows like um things are changing every day so there's like i mean there's companies and whole divisions and and, and technologies that didn't exist five years ago that could be a cool place to work. Who knows, right? And right. it's, uh, who knows where all this is going. I mean, I, th- I think as far as music goes, I'd, I'd always love to play music. I, I love playing drums, even if it's by myself or with friends or commercially, you know, like it doesn't really matter. Um, <clears throat> so I, I don't think, because, you know, there's some people that are like, yeah, like, yeah, if this something tomorrow, I probably wouldn't pick up my instrument again. Like, I'm definitely not one of those people. Like, I'd, 
I just, I love playing drums. So that doesn't, would never stop me from doing that even recreationally. But um, yeah, I mean, maybe something in the industry, you know, and like, who knows, like, you know, I, I love living in Canada, but maybe you would live somewhere else, you know, um, who knows, like maybe like do something really crazy later on in life. You know, it, it's kind of cool. I think nowadays, like people have become more accepting that you may have two, three, four different careers, live in four or five different places in your life where it used to be born and raised, lived in that one place, had that one job, that's it. You know, it's like the world is, it's a globalized economy. It's a globalized vision of, of culture and technology and everyone's working together that, you know, every place is, is part of this. So you can do a lot of different things all over the world. And, you know, I, I wouldn't want to limit myself to, to any one spot or thing, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it is exciting where you feel like there's, there's opportunities beyond just kind of the, uh, like I said, <laughs> there, there are definitely, and I'm sure you've experienced this where it's like you, um, you see people that are creating music and, you know, playing in bands and in this particular scene. And you can tell that they have no real aspirations besides like just wanting to do this particular band or whatever. And, you know, they're all in on it. And that's fine. Obviously, that's an ambition. But then, you have that thought in the back of your head where you're just like, I'm concerned that they'll be able to come out the other side of this, you know, where it's like, I look at you and it's just yeah. like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, if Silverstein did it next week, I know you would be fine. Like you said, there's, there's many options that you can have, but you know, it's yeah, like, I, I still think I'd be, I, I still think I'd be like, Holy crap. What, what's going on? I'm super nervous and scared and freaking out. But I, I, I think I'd like, yeah, you just kind of like shake it and be like, well, let's just see where it lands. You know, like you kind of have to. Right. Right. But, uh, on that same kind of similar notion, um, the uh, I've always been interested just because, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you guys obviously tour with a wide variety of bands, you know, bands that uh, like obviously the tour that, you know, you are on currently with Census Fail. And then obviously you have younger bands that are on the tour. Um, is it one of those things where, um, you know, do, do bands look at you guys uh, as like the elderly statesmen where they're just kind of like, you know, either asking for pieces of advice or like, well, how did you guys do this? Or is it just one of those things where they kind of, you know, view you as peers and it's just, just hangs. But yeah, like some, some bands kind of get the, like, we call like Silverstein, like mentorship program where like, well, we'll give you the whole, like, you know, these are the mistakes we made. Don't make those. Um, this is how to do things better. You know, like, you know, really and for those that want to hear and, and there's been bands over the years too that they've kind of done that they've moved on to like great success you know like we've kind of shared our tips and wisdom you know to try to help them out um and there's some that, that don't care what we absolutely have to say about anything um but it it's it's cool and there's you know it, it's 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 fun no like we like it you know like um like earlier this year we got to meet this band actually from hamilton called rarity and they're on rise. They have a new record coming out. They do an our Canadian tour next year. And they're like so young. Like they're legitimately, I think Shane could be their dad. Like they're so young, but it, and it's just fun because they're so wide eyed and they're just so excited that, you know, you can just, you actually can like maybe say something to them that might change their lives and they might actually, they might be even more successful. And that's great. You know, because like, we, we want everyone to, to do the best they can. You know, it's cool if, if we could say something that, would have a lasting impression on someone and you know because i think you know we've kind of been through a little bit of it we actually do know a couple things if someone's willing to ask us a question about it you know so 
So to all those young bands out there, just ask us what, what anything you need, we'll help you out. Right, you'll you're like we're we're there. We can we can open up our own yeah. like uh, you know Silverstein advice at gmail dot com and people can hit you up exactly. <laughs> yeah, send us your demo tapes and we'll help you out. <laughs> totally, totally. Uh, well, I really appreciate you hanging out, Paul. This has been uh, it's been fun, even though we've known each other forever. You can always uh, peel back layers peel back layers of the friendship where it's like, oh, I didn't know that about you before. So, <laughs> well, thank awesome. you so much. Well, no, I really appreciate it. it. Yeah, no problem. Awesome. Man. So there you go. There was Paul, and there was uh, my discussion with him. Like I said, a lot of um, very deep responses from him you know i uh I, I like to set up a question and obviously get out of the way and let the person answer it um i definitely felt like paul was able to lean into a lot of the questions and conversation points that i was having and i'll be frank this is the first interview that i've done where i haven't prepared anything i did my research but i didn't have sort of a a list of things that i wanted to kind of get through and i knew i could accomplish that with paul because we've been friends for so long but um who knows it may be a new uh a new leaf that'll turn over where I do my research. I have it in my head, but then at the same time, I'm not actually writing down questions because, uh, you know, it could lead to more looser conversations, which I know some of you have given me feedback before, but anyways, the, uh, the show next week will be uh, slightly different. It'll be what I call, and this is something I actually recently did a poll on Twitter. Uh, so if you use the service Twitter, you should follow the show at 100 words podcast and the number 100. Um, so yeah, I think you uh, you should follow us. But anyways, I did a poll where it was like, hey, what if once a month I did uh, a conversation with a friend, whether it was a past guest or just people who uh, have appeared on the show before, and, which I guess technically defines as past guest. Oh, sorry. I ramble sometimes. But anyways, um, I'm going to have what's called a friendversation, <laughs> which I just coined that. I, I'm sure it's been said before, but um, basically I'm just going to kind of walk through stuff that isn't really uh, kind of discussed on my particular show like maybe other podcasts that do the more news beat of like this is what's happening in independent music right now um but i'm gonna have these sort of general discussion points and we'll kind of spin off one another so it'll be a more casual laid-back vibe um less interviewee even though technically my interviews aren't really interviews to begin with but anyways uh, that's what's happening next week and uh, i'm not gonna tell you who's gonna be on because i'm still sorting that out but the producer, as always, is Tom Richfield for the show. He's been super busy lately wrapping up his uh, his his band, his uh, playing their last show. I think it's like day before Christmas or two days before Christmas. Um, so, uh, yeah, if you're in the UK area, check out Hindsight's last show. That's what you should do. And visit the show's website, 100wordspodcast.com. Thank you to all the sponsors this week. And thank you to you, the listener. For those of you that are still listening to this, thank you. <laughs> Anyways, until next week, uh, have a good Christmas and all that other holiday stuff, and uh, please be safe, everybody.